0: Hi, this is Kevin McCullough. Thanks for listening to the Christian Outlook podcast, where we cover today's issues from a perspective that honors your Christian faith. Our podcast is brought to you through a partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I trust you'll enjoy. So why, why this subject? I mean, you've written on, yeah. you, you wrote on depravity, basically, that with the last right. book was, right. we're not as great as we think we are. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah. why? Why did you say let's tackle manhood?
1: My my, the producer of my radio show said I should write about this, and she is a brilliant woman. We've been working together for ten years. You're talking about Sherry. Sherry, yes. And she said, I've always discounted. I've, I th- I'll never write about this because I'm not the guy. I don't climb stuff. I don't shoot stuff. I don't, there's nothing wrong with that. I don't hunt. I don't. I drive a mini. I played fl- a mini Cooper. Yeah. I played a flute. <laughs> I, uh, library, you were the library, library <laughs> club <laughs> president of the, the state of Illinois.
0: Honestly, I thought about starting this by saying, let's do this whole thing. I'm, I'm going to do this. We got uh, Brant Hansen with us on the radio. You wrote this book about being men. Now you're a flute playing librarian,
1: right? I'm a flute playing librarian. And the name Brant. That's right.
0: Did your parents just know you weren't going to be very manly? Yeah. Man. Brant as your name.
1: Yeah. Something like that. That's why it's so ironic because I, and yet, she comes from a family. Talk about Sherry. She's like, all my family are manly. You know, the trappings of what we call manly. And she said, but I knew as soon as I met your wife and daughter in particular, that they felt really, really, really secure around you. Mm-hmm. I could see it. Just, I just felt it in your home. I feel it to this day. She said, I actually had to write the foreword to explain that. Like, so here's a guy. He's just like, I know you have a puppet collection. I know you play the accordion. <laughs> but but you should you should talk about masculinity because young guys in particular are very drawn to how you describe it. Mm-hmm. So I thought well I'll do it. And maybe maybe the fact that I'm not good at all that other stuff. I have neurological issues. I have I can't see very well. Like I don't have very good balance. Um You're a mess. I'm a mess, man. <laughs> but but here's the beauty of it. Like if I'm right about this is what actual masculinity is, it frees up everybody. Yeah. Like any guy, you could be a nerd. You could be artsy. You could be, you could be a hunter guy that can fix cars and you have awesome tattoos and stuff. Like it applies to all of us. And so maybe I am the guy to write this because you can look at me and go, well, if if he comes off as masculine, like if he understands it and he nails it, if hopefully in my wife's opinion I am, <laughs> uh, then then maybe he's onto something.
0: The the stereotypes we're all shaped by masculine stereotypes. And totally. I, I remember in the 80s when it was Rambo was the stereotype. That's yeah. what real manhood is. Yeah. And then there's the, the anti-hero man. We we grew up with confusion. I think all boys grow up kind of going, what does it mean to be a man?
1: So, exactly. And there's been deconstructions of this. Mm-hmm. There are A lot of them, uh, the John Wayne and Jesus book was a bit like a big hit. But my thing is, okay, that's fair. But what is it then? Like, it's one thing to deconstruct it. But from a Christian perspective, like, who's going to say then, like, give us a vision for what we're actually supposed to do. It's just not this, not that. Don't be this. Don't be that. Okay, totally true. But can you give us a distinct idea of masculinity that's not just a generic that applies to everybody equally kind of thing? Like, to say, you should be like Jesus. Well, that's true. Right. But that's true for women, too. What is, is there an idea? Clearly, God has an image of male and female. There's something different there. And there's something probably profound and beautiful, and there's probably something that begins with the original narrative. So what I'm trying to say it is, is the job that God gave Adam in the garden, and that job to tend and to keep,
0: to tend and keep the garden. What 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 are you as you meditated on that, as you as you dug into that, what popped out at you is going. This is what is is at the core of all
1: of this. It means to protect. It means to defend. It means to make a space. See, gardening isn't just like standing on the wall and defending from out intruders. It certainly is, and Adam failed to do that. He allowed this enemy into the garden. Right. And he stood there passively while his his wife was was arguing or, or being argued into blowing it. Right. But it's it's also creating a space if you're gardening for the vulnerable, for species that wouldn't exist and thrive in the wild. Uh, So you are cultivating and you're allowing these species to flourish, these things within your garden that are beautiful. I do think that's exactly what guys are called to do. Mm. And and, and we're given gifts to do that. Our strength is for that reason, not to be a threat, but to provide security for people and make our neighborhood safer just because we're there. Like that's that's our goal. But if, if guys aren't told that they have no vision for what our life is supposed to be. But it's a beautiful thing, even a little kid can catch on. I use the example of my son. He's seven years old. he was picking on my daughter, who was like four at the time, and she was like, "Hey, Dad, like get in here." And it wasn't anything awful, but he was he was just being a pest, right? And I said, "Justice, like you're betraying your role here. You're supposed to defend your sister. That's why you're here, not to be the threat." Like you're being the guy that you're supposed to defend against. Mm-hmm. He got it. This is a seven year old, but even a seven year old, I think it resonates with the male heart so much that yeah. this role is the right one. He got it. And I'd never had a problem with him after that, picking on her ever. Like he understood, Oh wait, I'm supposed to defend women. Mm-hmm. But unless you're told it doesn't just happen in our, and our culture is not going to give us a distinct idea of masculinity. So I thought, okay, it's worth writing about, so That that's where we're going with this. Did
0: you grow up with a good model of this, or did you, when, when you sat down to say, I'm going to write a book called The Men We Need, and I'm going to look at masculinity, was it something that was instinctive to you, or did you have to cultivate this in your own heart?
1: I th- I, I didn't grow up with it. Okay. Something happened though when I was a freshman in college, and I mentioned this like at the outset of the book, which right. is this this poster I saw this is the best selling poster of all time, and I saw it in every girls' room in college, like there was a guy's house, the girl's house is a Christian thing at um, University of Illinois, but as we were touring the houses, the girls like every single room had the same poster in it. It was very strange, and I was like, "What is the deal with this poster? It turns out it is the best selling poster of all time it's called l'enfant." And it's a guy, and I know he's a handsome guy, but it's it's not. He's it's a profile. He doesn't have a shirt on. He's not particularly muscular. I mean, I'm sure he's a good looking guy, but there's a there's a billion male models out there, right? It's not Fabio. No, it's not. Yeah, right. So why did this thing take off, and it's still the best selling poster of all time? It's because he's holding a baby, and he's holding a baby out in front of them, and the girls said, "Yeah, he's cute, but." It's the way the baby's looking at him, the way the baby's gazing up at his face, the vulnerability in the baby's eyes, and the, and the almost an appeal, like, protect me. And you can see that. You can look it up, LaFont, and you'll see what I'm talking about. But I thought, that's interesting that women intuit, they, they, it resonates with them, this protective thing. So, since then, I've spoken, like, to, I speak to groups of people or whatever, school assemblies or whatever, whatever the setting is. And I put up slides of guys from the news. There'll just be one slide after another of somebody pulling somebody out of a ditch or here's a couple guys, you know, in a flood getting somebody into a boat or there's a guy in a helicopter rescuing somebody from a hurricane. Here's, and they're all just guys. right? None of them are models. No, nobody looks like a Nobody's Hollywood. Famous. Right. Nobody's famous. Some of them are overweight. Some of them, like, it's all different cultures and nationalities and stuff. Here's a guy in India rescuing stuff. Here's a Japanese soldier bringing an old lady up. Okay. At the end of showing those slides, I will ask the group, hey, ladies, just curious, just for the ladies are those guys attractive? And there's a wall of immediate, yes. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, males, listen, look at this. And I go back and look at the slides, like, look at these guys. Did you see the reaction of these guys? They're not handsome particularly. Right. It doesn't matter. So there's something that women intuit. And I'm telling guys, like, it does make you more attractive to be the keeper of the garden. If a woman feels secure, she will find you more attractive. That's not the reason to buy the book. Although you should buy the book. (laughs) If if that is the reason, go ahead. It's a great side benefit. Right. Right, It is a great side benefit, honestly. (laughs) But learn from the fact that women cross culturally respect this and desire this like there's something we should learn about god's design when women react this way they intuit what we are for even if we don't know what we're for anymore they do and so that should tell us something about who we are that's that's the idea
0: you, you list out 6
1: decisions yeah. six yeah. decisions guys guy guy. make yeah.
0: and and these decisions are all built around if, if we start with the premise that we're here to protect yes. we're here to tend to care for yeah. to keep then then that ought to shape our behavior yeah
1: so lives the lives around us should flourish that's what that's my job as a husband and father my wife my kids and radiating outward from there like i whatever influence i have this goes along with the, like advancing the kingdom of god like I want God's will for these people. I want God's best. And so whatever influence I have is to create that space for people to flourish and thrive. So one of the decisions I start with is 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 huge right now. And I say forsake the fake and relish the real. Mm-hmm. The fake stuff will leave you. If you're wondering why do I have this sense of malaise? I'm 30 years old. I'm a guy like I spend all my time playing video games and and it's pornography and I'm kind of a shut in. I don't really have that. Like, because you're doing meaningless things. Of course you're going to feel meaningless, but I'm trying to say to guys too, like the cultural ethos is as long as I'm not hurting somebody else, what does it really matter? Maybe I just throw myself into a virtual world and I'm not hurting anybody else. And I get, I get a dopamine hit from leveling up and I get, I get all my needs seemingly mad. I'm not hurting anybody. I'm like, I need you to understand this. You are hurting people. And you're hurting people because we needed you. You were supposed to protect and and, and allow people to flourish, use the gifts you have, your purpose, but you're not doing it. We needed you to grow up. We needed you to be the man that you were made to be. So to say that you're just, well, I'm not hurting anybody, you are. And there's there's maybe a woman out there who could have benefited from you growing up and becoming a wonderful husband, for instance, as an example, but neighbors, uh, vulnerable people in our culture, in our world that could have benefited from you being maximally you because of who God created you to be. So that's that's the first decision I talk a lot about because that is such a huge issue right now for guys, particularly. And And I've said for years that guys are not going to play long
0: at a game that they can't Compete well, or yes, at. that's
1: a great point.
0: And so if you go out and you play golf the first couple of times, and you go, "I'm just not any good at this," the next time somebody says you want to go play golf, it's the no, right. I want to play the sport I'm I can win at, right? And I think guys in in life look around and go, "This role I'm supposed to play." I I can't win at this, but I can go down in the basement and yes. fire up the Xbox. And in my mind I, I'm winning.
1: I can get to level seven. Yes. And you get the same like feeling of accomplishment. Right. It pays off. Same thing with like these women. You get the, you get the sexual thrill, the, from, but they're not real. Right. It's fake. So what I'm saying too is, yes, it's hard, but I try to appeal to on that level. I talk about this in the book. I try to appeal to the idea that, you know, you want to be brave we all want to be brave at the deepest level. Well, guess what requires bravery? The real world. In relationships that are messy, things that we don't seem to be succeeding at, but we just keep showing up loyally, faithfully doing it. That is bravery. I respect it. So much respect to you if you don't feel like you're leveling up in the world, but you're still continuing to show up to be faithful to God and to other people. Like So... There's a certain sort of bravery that goes with relationships, but guys will check out of it because of what you're saying. I'm not good at this, right? I only want to do the things I'm good at. I got it. I understand that. but here's the other thing with regard to like relishing the real instead of the fake. If you want to grow up and become who we needed you to be, mm-hmm. real relationships will make you do that. Yes. A fake woman will not, right. So your fantasies will not call you out to be a man. She will not challenge you. I, I shouldn't say she. It's an it. Right. It's an image. Um, that life, y- your pornography or whatever, it's not, gonna, it's not going to cause you to grow up. But a real woman will. As you know, you've been married a long time. Same with me. Like My wife is brilliant. We have a great marriage. But it's it's always a challenge. It's co- a continual maturation because she's calling me out to be a man. Yeah. So, so it's we, a struggle.
0: We, we gravitate toward... The image,
1: because
0: because there is this quick promise of um, that, that the woman in the pornography is looking like she thinks I I'm special uh-huh. in that picture or uh-huh. the the video game I'm winning the video game we we gravitate toward that because there is something desperate inside of us that we do want to win absolutely we, but but that when we keep going to that as the
1: source our soul shrinks don't it, you think it, it's a it is a sucker punch mm-hmm. but that's the way. Like, the enemy has always worked. Like, it's it's something that looks almost like the real thing, and then it leaves you alone. This is a way, if you want to give in to this short term, and I understand the dr- I love video games. I could sit and play for 16 hours and not realize the sun has gone down. I haven't even been to the bathroom in 16. 16- like, it doesn't even matter. I understand. And I've even, I'm even coming at this. I'm trying to tell guys, like, I feel sorry for us. It has not been like this for any other generation of men in the history of humankind yeah. to have this to short-circuit us. Like, it's not supposed to be this hard. This is what we have. I understand that. All of that's understood. But we don't want to emerge at 70 or 80 years old and look back at our lives, do we, and just say, I, everything was virtual. I didn't actually have any real adventures. I didn't actually, because you're going to wind up by yourself. That is the way the enemy works. It's always a fake of something that was God created. The enemy can never create anything good. It's always a mockery. And it looks like the real thing. It feels like the real thing. It pays off in your brain like dopamine, like the real thing that you get the hit in the sense of accomplishment. But nothing got accomplished. And now you wind up by yourself. That's hell. Like that's that is the enemy's trajectory. Yeah. Is you by yourself isolated.
0: Yeah it sounds like you're saying guys we need to man up and yet even in saying that there's something that you kind of you recoil when you hear that don't I you? do and I thank
1: you you're so perceptive on that because you can say hey guys man up you need to man up like what does that mean if you don't have a specific idea right so what I'm trying to say in the book is like look we we had this puzzle box and we've got all the puzzles, the little pieces in there, and some of the pieces are man up or fix your motorcycle or whatever it is. Right. I'm saying the box top. I'm trying to give you a box top. Of what that's supposed to look like, and that is the keeper of the garden. Mm-hmm. That is actually manning up, mm-hmm. but it's not necessarily going to look like what when you say man up or come on guys stand up, take a stand. Like to a hundred different guys, that might mean ninety different things. It's a brave heart face paint. It's yeah. not. Right. Yeah. Right. Freedom. <laughs> but there's an, there's an element to it that right. gets it that right. yeah because you're defending something like but but this keeper of the garden thing again is is not just a show of of power. Literally, if I'm if I'm using whatever strength I have to make tiny vulnerable things flourish, like little children, or this is why you tell your sons. You know, you can't be cruel to this animal. Like you're here to protect this. Like that's a good thing to have a pet for that reason. You got something even more vulnerable than the kid right. in the house. Right. You could hurt it, but you're not going to, because you're supposed to protect it. So, finally, having that vision, I think, would be really helpful for guys.
0: It, it seems to me that there are two, uh, there are two ways that a guy can go wrong in pursuing what God's put in his heart in terms of manhood. One is to, to, uh, become domineering Uh and controlling and hyper aggressive. I mean, we, we've got the phrase toxic manhood and I think that's what it's often pointing to. Yes. The other, maybe the more prominent option is passivity. Yes. Where a guy says, I'm just going to check out, you take care of everything and I'll, I'll be over here watching ESPN. Yeah. Um, Somehow we've got to recognize that both of those
1: options have problems with them, right? Absolutely. They're both toxic. Yeah. The the passivity can be toxic. Like we're not, uh, th- this is, again, uh, this is why I wrote the book. So I, I, I can't, help, can't help but keep pointing back to this idea that the keeper of the garden right. gives us a construct for neither one of those things. So you're, you're actively protecting, cultivating, and allowing the vulnerable to flourish. This is why you don't want to make a woman feel threatened because it goes against why you're here. They should feel secure. You should you should uh same thing with with the with anyone who I I mentioned this before like okay so it's the domineering mistake, right? The, the toxic, right? That gives us the Me Too movement. Yes. And we needed the Me Too movement because of that. Yeah. Because a lot of guys are bad actors. Right. right. So but if we were keepers of the garden, there would be no need for it. Right. And there's there are women who have reacted to our passivity by saying, I guess I don't really need a man. Well, if you don't, honestly, if the guy's just totally passive, like what is the what is the point of that? The lack of a vision for what men are supposed to be leaves guys in a lurch, 30 years old, living at home, 35, smoke a little weed, have a part-time job. Like there's no ambition at all for something beautiful. And it hurts everybody, but I, I agree with you that passivity is actually a bigger problem. But you know we've made the, the mistake on the other side so much that there's a reaction to it that's very genuine and needed. Well, when when it's the hyper aggressive, the, the what
0: what we look at as toxic manhood, it shows up really pro, prominently. Absolutely, in culture. yeah. Passivity doesn't show up. As as because the absence of something is not as loud as right. the presence of something.
1: It just shows up, and you know this too. Just trickles through the culture. Right. So there's there's generational things that happen, like
0: and, and you don't you don't. I mean, you're writing to men, but but I, I look at this and I say I think there's a there's a another side of this. I think women have a if, if men are are uh, if our besetting sin is to be passive, I think a woman's besetting sin is often to say I want to be in control. The only way I can be safe is if I'm in control of my life
1: yes and and this is not to blame them right this is that is a natural reaction to that's it right. and what's so interesting is in Genesis to your point so they both fail right they, they fail to love God the way he deserves with and so that's that's sin that's kata in the in the Hebrew but what's interesting even as they both fail God's reaction is to come into the garden and he says Adam where are you so he knows he's, he's he knows how to call Eve Eve he knows how to call adam Adam i mean there's 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 depth to those words, but Adam's response was to blame Eve and blame God for creating Eve, but Adam's held responsible because he was supposed to be the keeper of the garden right. he didn't protect it right so anything that happens after that like there's a there's a burden that's on us. So I, I think you're absolutely right. I understand the cultural reactions to, the, to what men have done and the way we've been. But again, we have not had a picture to look at to say, oh, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. What as you, You're raising boys. I have a boy. A boy. Yeah.
0: So what are you trying to do purposefully and intentionally to help him embrace what you're talking about in this book?
1: Okay, so I can speak of this retroactively sort of because he's 28. Got it. Yeah. Um, but what I did was what I told you, like, I, I realized I read a book. It was a beautifully written, like almost a Victorian book called homemaking. It was brilliant, but very, very obscure, but it talked about how everybody in the family has a role. And so that's why I talked to justice about having a role. Like you're here to protect, right? He took that to heart again. We didn't have a problem again with that to his great credit, not mine. I will brag about him. Yeah. But He is a really bright guy. Um, So he went and got his degrees in Russian literature and and linguistics from Berkeley. And then he was in the Air Force as an intel officer, served in Afghanistan, and his job was to protect people. He was really good at his job, like very decorated, became a captain. Wow. Just finished. Okay. Okay. But another thing I did with him was I had the the luxury because I work with Cure hospitals around the world. These are Christian hospitals that help kids that have disabilities that we can fix surgically. I would take him to these hospitals. He was fascinated by surgery. So now he's at Yale in med school, and he's planning to be a neurosurgeon for Cure. Russian literature, captain in the... in Russia. Yeah. So... So this book will tell you exactly how your son could turn out the exact same way. No, like that's all him. He's just been so determined. I don't even care. Honestly, I I do brag about it because of his determination. But if he was, you know, in the in the typical phrase like flipping burgers. Yeah. But I respected his character. I don't care. And I told him that. Right. Same thing with my daughter. I don't care. And I made decisions, too. I'll tell you this. I did the right thing. I had opportunities for some very lucrative careers that would have required all my time. Mm -hmm. And I said, no, and we made almost no money, but I had all my afternoons free. And since we homeschooled the kids, I swam with them, took them to the beach every single day. They know their dad. So that was a good move out of all the mistakes I've made. Right. Just, just scraping by on, on the finances, but having endless afternoons with these kids was a brilliant move. So, um, and traveling with him, intentionally trying to show him stuff—that's uh, that's what I would recommend to somebody. Like to, to the extent you can to give your kid, give your son a, a vision. Mm-hmm. That's all. You um, you talked about
0: neurological yes challenges. Yeah, we've talked about the fact you and I talked. You're on the spectrum. Yes. How does that interact with the the idea of what
1: it's supposed to be to be a man? Well, I've always felt like I'm on the outside looking in. And again, I didn't have the best example growing up. A lot of trauma. Um, So I think what you do is you study it and you look at like, well, what is it? You ask these baseline level questions, which I've done in my other books. Like what's really motivating us at the bottom? Mm -hmm. What is it? Like I'm asking like, what? no, what is it? Why isn't anybody saying it? So I learned by being an observer, right? I love my dad and I have forgiven him, but I was like, I, as a child, observing what was going on, yeah. kind of spectating, I know what I'm not going to be like.
0: And that, for, for me, I grew up with a pattern thinking, I know what I don't want to
1: do. Bingo, that was it.
0: What I didn't know no, was what I should do. Right. So I know I'm not going to do this. Right. But I, I was a camp counselor when I was in high school and college. So I would spend two weeks with eight kids in my cabin, and I was in charge of those kids. I look back on that and go, what a dangerous thing I understand. that was, right? Yes. Yeah. But I I thought, being a parent, I, I'm just going to be a camp counselor. As long as they're having fun yeah. and they get to bed on time, right. I've done what I needed to do. I knew what I, I didn't want to do, but I didn't have a vision for what I wanted to pour into my kids. One of the uh-huh. things I love about what you've done in the book is you're really mapping out for guys – these six decisions can give you a roadmap yes. for for who you need to be, but also what you need to be modeling so right. that your kids can see that. Right, exactly. Yeah.
1: And when they when they do like that's that is exactly what I'm trying to do. So I thank you for, for noting that. And some of this stuff is hard won. I couldn't have written this maybe fifteen years ago. That's, Why not? Um I don't think I would have had the confidence in some ways. Like, I'm the last person to want to be an expert on something, because I, I always doubt my own expertise. So you're you're on the radio
0: regularly. Yeah. I mean, everybody would think confidence and...
1: Oh, well, They sh- I mean, if they could hear my show, I think they'll, they'll hear... <laughs> they'll be
0: disabused yeah. in
1: <laughs> Really? Really? No, it's it's more... It's, there's a vulnerability to it and a self-deprecatory approach, which is genuine. Um, but
0: there's some bravery that comes with that. Just there is. Just living and
1: life out loud. That's true. And... Honestly, being on the spectrum, it used to be called Asperger's, a high-functioning autism, and it's my son too. Uh, but you, you're blunt, and you don't even realize it. Sometimes people are like, I can't believe you said that, and it's not necessarily bad, but just wow, that was really honest or something. And I think that can make for really good radio. Mm-hmm. It's weird because people on the spectrum they usually have a thing they're they're good at. So, obviously, for my son, he's got this. He's a neurosurgeon. He's, he's be he's, a yeah, neurosurgeon. I mean, he's got his thing. And for other people, it's it's statistics or, it's you know, it might be, you know, superhero knowledge or something, whatever. You got you gotta your thing. And yours is? I think it's words. Yeah. I think so, too. Yeah, so it's, it's weird because people will listen and they'll be like, hey, he's not on spectrum or something. He's, he's too verbal or something. But that's, there's a lot of people with Asperger's that are, that is their thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, both.
0: Speaking and writing. And one of the things I just, this is not a book. Um, when, when guys pick us up and read this, they, they will be engaged huh, by the thanks. style of, of what you're doing because it's not a lecture. It's not didactic. Uh-huh. You're bringing us into the real stuff of life. You write in a very um, approachable way. Good. And yet I love the fact that there is substance underneath what you're saying. Thank you. Some guys can be quirky and funny and you go, that was fun, but you walk away and you just had a marshmallow. Right. <laughs> That's
1: exactly right. And, and, That's and so here
0: you walk away and you go, that was, that was quirky and fun, but I need to think
1: more carefully about what he just said. You know, I, I appreciate you saying that my last book, I, what I tried to do literally was, do you remember Dave Barry? Right? Oh yeah. I'm sure yeah, you do. Yeah. He's a humorist and I always liked his style. And I was like, if I could just marry Dave Barry with Tim Keller and, like, Malcolm Gladwell, that would be a nice sweet spot. That's a
0: that's a pretty good, yeah, good. description right, good, of what good. you – yeah.
1: I think you're getting
0: there. <laughs> um, do you think we're seeing guys catch a vision for this in our day? Are you seeing guys? I, or are, I'm, I'm not. I'm seeing
1: a major crisis of – Going the other direction. Talking, yeah, of, of guys that are they're 20, 30, 40 years old that don't have any clue – Why have a family? Why? What's the the drive? There's no drive in the church. Absolutely. And young and and guys just kind of dropping out and getting addicted and addicted to porn or addicted to, to opioids or addicted to just sitting around smoking pot. There's no ambition. Right. Because, again, these meaningless things make you feel meaningless. And if no one is putting a vision down in front of you, and I don't I don't see it. Maybe maybe there are. Better books, better takes, better... And that's fine. But I'm like, I'll at least take a shot at it. If I, the deconstruction's good, but again, somebody ought to take a shot at it. And I do think the Keeper of the Garden thing, that's specifically given to Adam, and it does resonate with guys. right? So I'm hoping it catches on. If Even if it's not my book, maybe somebody else who does it better or something. Like, that same thing is desperately needed. To said we've got to fix this.
0: Absolutely.
1: It's, it only is an act of mercy. Mm-hmm. It hurt, not not just... Thinking about, like, what happens to women and children, but for the guys themselves to be so listless and directionless, they don't go to college, either. Like the, the, you know. Like, the ratio at the colleges just continues to expand at 60
0: 40 now. Where are these guys going? Yeah,
1: right, yeah. And, and it's not that everybody needs to go to college, no, not at all. Like, but you said, a, a
0: high integrity plumber,
1: fine, God bless it, right? Do it, and but. But I don't see that either. Like where there's there's a lot of driven guys that have a. If you are, if you listen to this and you're like, well, that I am driven. Like I am, I am, I am a plumber and I'm doing, I'm doing well. Like, that's cool. Hopefully, now you can see how your resources and what you have can be targeted to something really life giving and beautiful. And and with that in mind, because you said you had
0: an opportunity, several opportunities to, to make a bunch of money. Uh Why didn't you jump on that?
1: Uh, because of the trade-off. So, it, specifically, I, I was doing talk radio, and it was going pretty good, but I was uh, tired. Um, I was just tired of arguing and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and, like, we had little kids in the house. Like, I'm not, I don't want to be thinking about today's conflict after right. I get done with a three-hour right. shift. I was on after uh, Rush Limbaugh on a station I was on, and it was stimulating intellectually, all that. So, I went ahead and took to LSAT to go to law school, and... Thank the Lord I got, like, top 1% on it. I got all these full-ride scholarships and stipends to go to these really good law schools. And so there was this moment where I was like, okay, here we go. But my lawyer friends were telling me, Brant, once you are out of law school, like, you can go to law school for free or whatever. Once you leave, though, you're going to have to work at a firm. You will be home one evening a week. I'm like, well, then my kids will be, let's see, 11 and 8. No. No, I can't. I don't get those days back. You don't get that shot again. So I said no, and it kind of hurt the ego, but I took a job that was the exact opposite, which was being a sidekick on a morning show in South Florida. And I worked five or six hours a day, and we made nothing, <laughs> but had time.
0: But you had. Deep inside, you knew what the priority needed. I, had, I knew.
1: I was like, I can't say, I can't. That. Full
0: ride scholarship and some pretty significant money on the other side. Of my that. ego
1: felt good. At least I get some. I can, I can retrieve something from it by bragging about my LSAT score and <laughs> <but>, all <laughs> that that. I just, I, I'm trying to tell guys that you don't get do overs on this. Right. This is like I, one of the things I talk about in the book is reality. If you, if you want to know what reality is. Reality is what hits you when you're wrong. That's what Dallas Willard said. Reality is what hits you when you're wrong. Mm-hmm. So you don't get, you get a reality check later and like, oh, I wish I'd spent more time with my kids. Yeah, now it's too late. Yeah. So if that's not a guilt trip. It's just, um, it's a, it's, I'm just telling guys, own your decisions understand what really matters, ask for wisdom, God will give it to you, and wisdom is free because it tells you the relative value of things. I'm convinced that's, that's the best definition of wisdom. Like, this is worth this, but that's worth that, so let me make good decisions so that I don't have these massive regrets later on about how I wasted my life or never knew my kids.
0: And you don't look back on that law school decision and say, boy, the, the struggles were oppressive for us.
1: It was a golden era. It was golden. Halcyon days. Like, it was uh, that. Of all the dumb things I have done, which we could I could spin on and on. We could do another book. <laughs> the Dumb Things I've Done by <laughs> Brad Hansen. Um that was, that was brilliant. So I'm, I'm happy to tell people, like, hey, I tried this, and it worked. Mm. And I'm not, like, sometimes you learn a lesson because you got it right, not wrong. And that was one of the times I got it right. So I'm thankful for that.
0: I, I remember reading in uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People where uh-huh. where Stephen Covey said, "Imagine you're at your own funeral. Yeah,
1: right, 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 right. Yeah.
0: and they're going to eulogize you. Yes. What do you wish they would say? Right. Now you have you can make choices today so
1: that that's what they'll say. That is exactly right. And and C.S. Lewis talked about how it starts with a grumble, hmm. but if you don't check it, you just become a grumble." Going on like a machine forever.
0: And he, he also said the best way to acquire a virtue is pretend like you already have it. Huh? And I love that. Yeah, that's because cool. Because it's like you look and go, I can't do this. Well, just pretend like you can. That's And after a while, you'll go, I can do this. That's
1: so good. I, I really do think, though, the attention thing, the attention is everything. What yeah. you're What you're attending, like you pay attention. That's a good, like this is your actual currency. Everybody wants your attention, by the way, and they're really good at getting it. Everybody's spending billions of dollars to capture your attention. Mm-hmm. But if you attend to God, like just, just, just bring your mind back to him for a little bit each, you know, during the day. Yes. That's delightful to God, apparently. But it's also like, this is shaping who you are, what you're filling your head with. I don't know how to get around that. That's that's, that is determining who you're becoming. And that's the sixth decision is to take responsibility for your own
0: spiritual life. Yes. And really that's foundational to everything. Cause all the rest of it, if if we're doing that with our best intentions, we can we can fake it till we make it.
1: But. Totally. I'm trying to tell guys too something really encouraging, I hope, which is a lot of times when people think of spiritual, they think emotional. Yeah. That's not biblical. Right. If you don't have an emotional reaction to worship music or church or whatever like, it's okay. It's not about emotions. So you don't have to feel like you've blown it. God's God doesn't come through for me. Maybe He doesn't even exist. I don't feel anything. It's not about your feelings. What God is looking for is steadfast loyalty. Mm-hmm. He's looking for obedience. He's looking for loyalty. Like every day, even though I'm a sinner and I am, like to continue. To, I'm going to keep engaging with Him every day. Well, guess what? For a lot of guys, when they hear that, it's like I can do that. That I get. Yes. It's not about me having these these experiences of, 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 you know, ecstasy or something like, I can't even relate to that. I don't even know what that is. I don't feel that, but, but I can do the loyalty thing. So I'm telling guys like, once you realize that take, now you take responsibility for that. You will change and you will become more of who you were supposed to be. So you say you don't close your eyes and sway in church. (laughs) I might, if I do, somebody has to elbow me to wake me up. But uh, yeah, that's it's it's about me, even though I am a sinner and I do all that. Like, not not still going to God boldly each day, still doing it.
0: And and that's if there is if if you are talking to a guy who's saying, okay, I want to take responsibility for my spiritual life, that's the starting point. Is go to God every day, yeah. That, like, in, in the word,
1: he he wants to enjoy you, right? He wants to partner with you. He picked if you go to like the, the, the biblical narrative, he picked Abraham and his family to partner with. I am right. looking for somebody. Who gets it like so that's what he's still i'm convinced he's described as our friend yeah He, he wants to partner with us it's not sacrilegious to say that it's amazing like god you want to be involved in my life so your work the stuff that's bothering you the things you're thinking about you can bring all of that to him on a walk or whatever hash it out engage but don't stop engaging the thing is god apparently loves that that's why he created you was for exactly that kind of communication you good praying for the guys who are listening? Totally, let's do that. Yeah, God, thank you that you love us, and you—that's just who you are. And we don't always know what we're doing, as you know. Uh, but thank you for being so faithful with us. Help us to be more faithful with you. Help us to turn that corner and just go. You know what? I'm to keep coming back. This is my best relationship. You're the source of wisdom. Please give us wisdom all of us guys who are hearing this right now, so that we can be a source of life for all these precious people around us that we're we're called to to help flourish and cultivate and protect. And God, thank you for partnering with us in that. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks. Awesome. Thank you, man.
0: Thanks for listening to Christian Outlook. Our program is coming to you today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership programs offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you enjoy our podcast, take a moment and tell a friend to subscribe today. This is Dennis Prager. If God saved the Jews in Egypt, why didn't he save the Jews in Europe? Was there really an exodus? My new book answers these and other questions. It's called The Rational Passover Haggadah, but the oldest holiday in the world. Just like my commentary, The Rational Bible, The Rational Passover Haggadah, my newest book, relies on reason. Relevant to non-Jews, Jews, and people of no faith. The Rational Passover Haggadah. Available at PragerStore.com or wherever books are sold.